Welcome to WP Tonic Roundtable Podcast, where a panel of leading WordPress junkies discusses the latest WordPress and internet stories of the week. Now, on with the show with your moderator, Jonathan Denwood. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. This is episode 556. Got a great panel. I think I've got some great stories. I'm going to let the panel quickly introduce themselves, and then hopefully we'll be off with the story off on to the races. Um, Stephen, would you like to quickly introduce yourself first? Yeah, Stephen Satter from zipfish.io. That's great. And I've got my friend Spencer. Spencer, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure, Spencer Uh, Foreman, launchflows.com. Got my friend John Locke. John, would you like to introduce yourself? Oh, is he frozen? Maybe not. He's frozen in a good spot. Oh. Is he back? Are you back? Yeah, a good John? face for freezing. John, John, yeah, my back. Yeah, yeah. Um, John from LockdownSEO.com. There we go. And we've got our special guest, friend of the show, has been on a few times. We've got Andrew Palmer. Andrew, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Andrew Palmer, and uh, I'm going to change my uh, web address. Actually, this is AndrewPalmer.com. There we go. Before we go into the main stories of the week, I just want to talk about one of our great major sponsors, and that's Kinster Hosting. Kinster is only a WordPress hosting provider. They specialize in large demanding websites like WooCommerce, a learning management system, large membership sites. Um, if you have one of those type of sites or you're a developer, you should really go over to Kinston and have a look what they've got to offer. They offer um, fantastic speed hosting using the Google Cloud, great interface, all the bells and whistles you're looking for technically, and great support 24-7. I suggest you go over, have a look what they've got to offer, and buy one of their packages if you do do that and I highly recommend that you do, um, please tell them that you heard about them on the WP Tonic show. It really helps the show, and it really helps Kinster. So straight into the stories, and um, the state of Word 2020, WordPress moves to full, full site editing. So our great leader has spoken. Um, what did you think, John? What did you think of our great leader's uh, speech? Okay, I didn't watch any of it to be quite honest, but but I know, yeah, I just I I, I don't watch Apple key, I don't watch the Apple events either, um, but I did read the recap. Some of the things that that I personally um, am excited for is not this next phase of full site editing. Um, will the if they add a query loop uh, block, I think that will be good, but. Um, in phase two, they're going to roll out adding the blocks to make the site templates. I'm excited for that. And one of the later phases, I believe it's phase four, they're going to be adding multilingual support. Uh, So they are trucking along on this. Um, It is moving forward. So those those are some of the things that I personally am looking forward to. All right. Andrew, what did you reckon of it? Well, I, unlike you lot, I watched it. So if Matt's well, I watched it, but not every video of it. I'm a faithful follower of Matt Moore. Well, anyway, no, but I like, I've seen him twi- three times now do a live keynote um, speech, as it were. And it's normally about 40 minutes, and it's pretty good because he wanders about the stage. And, and, and what, I'm just going to go silly on this. And the editing was a bit dodgy. You know, there was a bit of iffy editing there, cuts and stuff like that. And we're not... None of us are professionals, but you know what? It's WordPress has got a little bit of cash. Employ a video editor that knows what they're doing. That's, that's you know, please. Uh, the content, I think, you know, Matt has got this very calm voice speaking without offense and everything. He just can't offend anybody, really. When in, in, Even if he says something horrible, he can't offend it. He was quite annoyed that uh, he doesn't like the word headless. He prefers decoupled. That was a, a thing. Um, and I think... It, you know, with static websites and people saying faster, we need faster, faster, faster. Uh, one of the questions was right at the end was from somebody or other. I can't remember them, so I apologize for that. But I remember the answer from the Gutenberg editor of, of basically how 
is speed affected. You know, we've all got this thing. Kinster is a, is a, is a, is a, an example. I use Kinster as well. I use loads of other people as well. But um, speed is more important to developers than the owners of the website. They kind of don't pay attention to that unless it's really slow. So, you know, two seconds to load a homepage, cool. You know, one and a half seconds, two seconds to load a product, cool. You know, customers like that. You know, we don't want to really go every every page loading in 300 milliseconds. It's just not practical with jQuery and all the stuff going on and lazy loading and all that. So the speed issues, I think, Gutenberg, I, I want to focus on Gutenberg because it is a game changer. You know, we know that Elementor have got loads of money now and they're going into a cloud option. We know that Divi, you know, I've been a Divi user from the very beginning. Elegant Marketplace was was formed because of Divi. It's slow, you know, and, it, and they deny it, it, but it is slow. So page builders per se, because they are necessarily coded heavily, are going to make your website slower. With the advent you could, of... You could have said that yesterday, could you? Divi's slow, could you really? Could you? But you're free. You're a free man now. No, you? I was not. I've never connected to. I'm never. You know, Nick and I have had many conversations, uh, especially at, at uh, St. Louis, and he's launched his own marketplace as well. Sort of five, exactly, pretty much five years after we started Elegant Marketplace, and an Elegant Marketplace is moving on to other products anyway. But no, I could. Yes, I've, I've always criticised Divi for speed oh. it's just, and bloated and. You know, when it when Divi first came out, it was a two megabyte file. It's an eight megabyte file now. So that kind of shows you that they put all the bells and whistles in it, which I don't think are necessary for your general day-to-day user. And that and having Gutenberg will the growth, you know, it's now 39.8% of the top 10 million websites or something. So the growth of WordPress will Gutenberg will help that grow even quicker because. Gutenberg is, and I don't care what anybody says, and I, you know, don't at me on this one, but Gutenberg is so easy to use. You've just, <laughs> uh, I, I oh, think we're gonna have we're gonna have a slightly different opinion coming it's up. Really this. easy to use. It's sorry, uh, it's just, it's uh, just really I'm gonna hard. move the, I'm gonna move this on to somebody that might have a slightly different opinion <laughs> than that. Let, let's go on to Spencer. So what <laughs> what did you think of, of the speech I mean, I, and? I'll grant Andrew the benefit of once you understand the metaphors, sure. I mean, mechanically, it's simple because there's not a lot of tools in it. But I think that's the devil in the details part, which is to say, if if I went to England to drive, I only need to learn to drive on the other side of the road. Basically, operating a car is the same. It's just the stick shifts on my left instead of my right, and the, the, I got to turn the sort of outside corner after I kill a few pedestrians, I'll probably be fine. But the problem right now is that even the state of the word, they're focusing on this thing, trying to be more than just the core editor. And in the process, taking forever, while at the same time, trying to reinvent the basic metaphor. So for example, I'm a pilot my whole life. I fly airplanes. In, in airplanes, you can move from one to the next, just like a car, and you expect the controls to operate. If you got into an airplane, and it, instead of pushing forward, you know, it was like you needed to pull back. You wouldn't be able to fly the plane. Right now, when I get into Gutenberg, I can't figure out why the hell the controls are so weird compared to classic when it's supposed to replace the classic editor. I mean, that's all. That's a that's a learning curve issue, though, isn't it? If I go, if I, if precisely, I, what, if I look what what I mean. What's your onboarding process for launch flows, for instance? What I'm you saying is have that an onboarding process, right? I, I, I'm saying that even with launch flows, with the onboarding, don't break the core metaphor of what your thing is supposed to do. Now, is it true that you can force somebody to learn? But if you've got classic editor, right? And that's the the metaphor. For 14 years, classic editor's there. Why suddenly do they have to do things like take the permalink that's at the top of every page and hide it in some kind of weird way? Why, when it's drag and drop blocks, do they have to not have a control that lets you grab and drag and instead you got to click hold wait and then yeah, that slide was, that was That's the thing. yeah was your point on the permalink but you with and Vito says hello by the way oh is he all right but, but I was working with Vito. 
You can if you want to. Um, Sorry, I was like, I was working with Vito yesterday, and the permalink thing came up. He said, "How do I see this page? It's crazy. You know, how do you how are you you got to do preview, and then do you want to preview it in mobile or or tablet or desktop? That I agree with that, but change yeah. is good." If it's if it's going to benefit the the majority of the users, and I think it will, faster websites, better for SEO. Mister Lock can punch in here, um, and and easier to use for blogging. You know, general mm. blogging. It's amazing. Yeah, I um, I, I will, before before I throw, throw it over for Stephen's final comment on this, that um, I'm really stuck in the middle between what you're saying, Andrew, and what Spencer's saying because. I, I agree with what you've just said, Andrew, but I also agree with the points that Spencer's making because I just think it should have had more linkage with the past a bit. And I just think it's been so slow. The development has been, you know, it's... May I interject one point? Because yeah. I think we're actually all agreeing. All yeah. I'm saying is... You've got an existing metaphor for how the controls work, and you want to implement blocks, which at the underlying basis is different. A classic editor is not blocks. So to make blocks work, I'm saying you have to meet in the metaphor that exists so that the users don't have to unlearn or relearn completely how to use the tool, but could gracefully transition to using blocks by way of an interface that's similar enough and controlled to the old one. And those two or three things we mentioned could have been done in a weekend, for God's sake. Yeah, but, but to, but to be know. fair, Spencer, the only problem I see in that argument, to be fair, Spencer, is Animator doesn't exactly take any of the cues from it, the classic but, but editor not, either, does it? Doing, but that's, that's my point. My point is Elementor is not pretending to be your core editor. It's a page builder. Now, that's the other larger issue. Is Gutenberg trying to be a core editor or is it trying to be a page builder or is it trying to be both? And I think that's also where they're losing a lot of people's trust. This is like, pick what you're trying to be and be clear about it because it really, to me, should be an editor that has greater capability. But really, we see they're trying for it to be a a full-blown page editor page builder, and they're failing at getting there fast enough all the while, kind of like PayPal. Go to PayPal in 2020, and you're in some kind of weird time machine laundry machine where it's like one thing is 1997, one thing's 2020. Where is that link located? Oh, they changed the menu again. It's like, come on. Get your well, shit it's called together. technical debt, Spencer. It's called technical debt. You know, Stephen yeah, should right. Stephen should comment on this. But it's basically yeah, sure. I'm gonna, can I let him? What, what do you reckon, well, Stephen? Well, I... I don't think anybody would disagree that, um, or some people would, but not a lot of people are a fan with how they transitioned to Gutenberg. Sure. I, could they have done it better? 100%. But the core aspect of Gutenberg and why it's a good thing and why I am pro Gutenberg, I'm not using it yet, but I will be in the next couple of years once I get a couple other things sorted, is because it allows core WordPress to know what happens in other plugin worlds before a plugin isolated itself out like so it just runs through the hooks wordpress doesn't care wordpress doesn't know what scripts are being loaded or what's happening all of a sudden with gutenberg core wordpress can understand a lot more what is happening with every single plugin that's added and so that allows for that speed improvement that you've seen Uh, a lot of more sophistications with how it's handling data, how it's storing data, how it's fetching data, how other people can query information from other plugins. And it's from moving from where we had the classic editor where there was like, what, you can decide which side your image is on or whatever. They have revolutionized the whole way that WordPress is processing and displaying the information. And so in doing that and keeping it as, as like, close to what it was beforehand, I think they're doing a pretty good job of it. Sure, it's taking a long time, but we have millions of sites using this. It's like, what other program, like PayPal, how many people, how many users are PayPal are there versus how many websites of WordPress? Like the, the complications that WordPress is facing when they're making these changes is astronomical. So that's why it's happening so slow. That's why it's going to take forever. But like once they get there, it's going to be awesome and it's going to be great. 
All right, yo, then. Let's go on to the next story, then. Oh, God. Yeah, uh, in, two, in 2021, we need to fix America's internet. We surely do. So who do I start with this? Um, let's start with Spencer, then. Um, what did you think of this one? This one this is one of my favorite articles because I complain about this all the time. I'm living in some weird alternative universe, but it's as a result of America's politics in particular. And so what essentially happens is I watch one of those great movies like The Born Supremacy or something where there's a terrorist guy in a cave somewhere in the desert and he whips out his laptop and he's it's got nobody, like, it's nobody English as well, isn't it? Yeah, he's always speaking yeah. in English. King's the, best, the best villains are English, aren't they, really? The villain, right. And the villain has perfect 5G internet speeds in a cave. And here I am in fucking Chicago <laughs> with, with three and a half million people and billions of dollars of infrastructure capability. And I'm stuck being a victim of Comcast where I get like one choice of a trickle through an, a, a wire that's been around since Alexander Graham Bell. What's worse, though, and this article points it out, is they keep messing with your head because I'm 100% sure, and I do have a legal background. I'm an attorney. I did antitrust stuff when I was younger. There is no question that there's antitrust behavior going on in the United States between the two or three major players because Comcast has certain wires and certain cables that go out, to especially rural, but here in a city, and also AT&T does it. And what happens is, to pretend for regulators' benefit that they're actually offering choice, they'll solicit you a million times saying, look at our new fiber, one gigabyte, blah, blah, blah. And I have the emails to prove it. It doesn't matter how many times you say, yeah, I see the, the box right there. Can I have it? And they go, you know, $5,000 for fiber. I'm like, please, please, sir, can I have some more? Right. Can I have some more dinner, please? Sir? It's a 21st century problem. Stop whinging. You've got internet. I mean, you know, but, what's but going saying, on? I'm saying it's not like a question they're not offering it to you. What they're offering to you is something that doesn't align with the reality, much like with text messaging. They said to you on your cell phone carrier today, oh, text messaging, we have it. It's 25 cents per text. You look at them like, are you out of your mind? Because you can go to 20 different carriers now. But in the internet world, they can offer you basic or give a kidney even though the give a kidney stuff costs them nothing, but there's nobody forcing that competition to be opened up because it's wired. You can't bring another care with one exception. And this article makes it so clear. Elon Musk is my knight in shining armor on this because I really do believe Starlink, it's just started and the reviews are coming amazing, that even those of us in urban areas, I will pay right now the 600 bucks to get the receiver where I can get from a satellite all the time, 125 megabyte per second download, just to stick my middle finger in the eye of the douchebags at Comcast and AT&T. Because I don't need gigabit ethernet. But what I resent is like, Comcast is an artificial 1.2 terabit or whatever it is uh, cap every month on a thing that's like an always-on connection. And they claim that there's a justification, but on the record for Congress, they said that was a lie. And yet they're doing it where they've charged me because we're home in a pandemic and the kids are watching videos. They've charged me double the price sometimes because I use too much data. I'm like, F you guys. So I would be willing to go wireless, go to satellite, pay a premium just to spite them because I feel like that's the next step, at least in America, of breaking this monopoly. Otherwise, the only way to do it is what's happening, fortunately, in some areas of Congress where they're bringing in like Facebook and they're bringing in Google. And they're, and they're saying like, look, guys, you guys are owning the railroads and you're taking a, a abuse of people. So this article was refreshing and I wish more people would talk about it because isn't it really true that the fundamental way people have to live now is to just have like, why yeah, don't I, I, I just, I just, I, I, I just consider it an essential utility. So, I mean, so that, Andrew, so Andrew, wow. I'll go. I'll go then, Stephen. Go then. I was just saying, why hasn't mobile phones fixed this problem? Like, I, I thought, like when we went from three G to four G, right? Like, all of a sudden, we were <laughs> supposed to be able to get internet that was like decent everywhere. But like now, that hasn't like happened, and we have five G, which is like barely rolling out. 
And so like the solution is to shoot a bunch of satellites into space. Like there's no way that that is more cost effective than setting up like cellular it's network fine. towers across the yeah. United States. Like I don't understand why that hasn't like the cell phone networks haven't solved the problem. Like it's probably, I probably just don't know like the limitations because it's not an area that I know very much about, but it just kind of like boggles my mind that that hasn't. Well, it's not, it's not, it's obvious. You know, when, you, when you look at Korea, when you look at certain Scandinavian even other countries, um, it really isn't a te- technological problem. It, it's um, a business um, like what Spencer's outline. So, it's Andrew, monopol- it's monopolistic practices. That's yeah. the answer. So, Andrew, so Andrew, what's what's it like in the UK when it comes? Well, to I pay twenty one ninety five a month pounds. And I get uh, 70 meg down, and I get 20 meg up. That costs uh, us 100 li- bucks, US, just like the article. Yeah, right. So, so we, we're, we're, no, 21 pounds, what, what, how much is that? For a, About 26, 27 dollars. 27 bucks, yeah. So, but, but it's not reliable. It, my, my internet goes down probably 10 times a week. So I have to have one of these guys because I have to work, right? So this guy, I got a MiFi. So I've got, this is always on charge. It's whatever. But the, we are still with. All right, we're a smaller country than you and everything, but we are still subject to a monopoly. BT, BT, well, it's, it's open reach. They they split from BT. So BT own or owned all the infrastructure. I actually helped by printing 6 million CDs and writing a little program to convert people to TalkTalk. Talk. But we got, we got an ISP in this country called TalkTalk, Talk, and, and they built their own LLU, local loop units. The issue was when they did that, what, 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, I can't remember, 12 years ago, they were fitting their own local, local loops in BT buildings. And the BT staff were waiting outside saying, you can't come in. We're not going to let... And, they, you know, they're literally fighting against this, this company that wanted to... Because Talk Talk were part of the car phone warehouse, you know, which was yeah. cellular, cellular phones, web, basically. But so I was... I was pretty much involved in that and the, and the launch was delayed because they couldn't get the, the LLUs built. Now Talk Talk have their own LLUs, they rent them out to others. We've got Sky Broadcasting that rents lines and all that kind of stuff. So we've kind of devolved it away from British Telecom. But the only people that can install your new telephone line and your broadband, and I know this because I'm just having a Vodafone, I'm having Vodafone put in a new broadband connection to my log cabin, the only people that can can install it are open reach. So therefore, you have this massive bottleneck, and it takes you a month just to get an appointment to to get your get your stuff installed. Yes, it's cheap. Yes, it's fairly reliable. But it, it honestly, yet we've got Origin broadband in the house, and I'm piping that down to the log cabin. But I've, I'm so fed up with the lack of um, service that I've, I've, I'm having to install my own internet into the log cabin which is 70 feet away from the house so oh, well. we have well, the same issues connectivity we think it's expensive we still think it's expensive you can you can get a hundred meg for about 80 pounds but or you can get you've, we've been able to get satellite for years but when you think that paris 20 years ago had 200 meg up and down we are way behind yeah. So what do you reckon, John? How do we fix this, John? Yeah, so one of the things that was mentioned in this article, the, the, I experienced this at the last place um, I was staying, where they say that you'll call them up on the phone to to get it, uh, your, your internet, your high-speed internet or whatever. And they'll say, yeah, 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 we can serve that. But then it turns out that there's only one provider in the area that can actually serve it because of the way that everything is, is laid and it will cost a competing company, say like Comcast in this case, um, it will cost them too much to set the infrastructure to serve like, you know, your home and the neighbor It's just not worth it to them 
that sure. it would be a, a money loser. So, you know, I, I see Google, Google fiber, like rolling out in some of these cities right now, that might be an answer. Um, just the overall infrastructure, like in the U S like, um, it, it, it definitely needs an upgrade. There are like other places that are doing this like better. Yeah. I understand it's a big place, but yeah. you know, we infrastructure need to, uh, has always been an issue in the United yeah. States. I'm like, you look at like the train lines, like that's exactly kind of the same thing that we're looking at right now, right? Laying a cable somewhere, laying yeah. a train line, laying sewer systems. Like there's a reason why like sewers and electrical and stuff like that is highly regulated and governed. Yep. Because like you just can't go and lay new sewer lines down the road or new electrical lines down the road or whatever. Yeah, all right. We're going to go for our break when we come back. We've got some more stories. I don't think we're going to go through them all because we'll be here forever and then my panel got better things to do, but we get through as many as possible. We'll be back in a few moments. LaunchFlows turns your WooCommerce website into a selling machine. We make it easy to create gorgeous sales funnels, no friction checkouts, order bumps, upsells, downsells, and much more. Gain full control over your buyer's journey from the top of your WooCommerce sales funnel all the way to the bottom. Best of all, you can use your favorite page builder, such as Elementor, Divi, Beaver Builder, Gutenberg, or one of the high-converting templates we've included inside. Get rid of the clunky WooCommerce shop pages and checkout process in favor of an optimized buyer flow that instantly increases conversions and makes you more money. LaunchFlows provides one-click order bumps that increase the total value of every sale with a 10 to 30% conversion rate. This is perfect for anyone offering complimentary products, training, or extended warranties. With unlimited upsells and downsells, your buyer's journey doesn't need to end at the checkout. Instead, we make it easy to display a series of additional offers as part of the original transaction. This is perfect for one-time offers, related products, mastermind class offers, high-ticket software sales, or subscription supplements. Not an expert? Don't worry, we've got the training and the consultation you need. WP Launchify will teach you how to get the most out of launch flows with personal consultation on WordPress, WooCommerce, marketing automation, and much more. If you want to earn more money with your WooCommerce online business, you owe it to yourself to try launch flows today. We're coming back. It's been a good first half. I thought we had a couple of good stories. Pretty meaty ones. A good, a good last episode of uh, 2020, I think. So on to the next one. Um, so introducing Lean WordPress. What did you reckon of, of this one, Stephen? I, I haven't actually watched um, any of this, any of the content they have there. Uh, so I don't know too much about it. I just kind of like glanced through it yesterday a little bit to see what they had going on, um, and. Seems interesting, but has have any of you guys watched any of the stuff or tried like going through it? What 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 did you guys find? Well, Andrew, he's a, he's a good studier, Andrew. Oh, listen, I, I listen. This, yeah, great. WordPress are doing this. Wonderful, brilliant. WP one and one one hundred one have been doing it for ever. Brilliant. Yeah. I, you know, I love it. It, it. It's great. It's free. It's wonderful. There's hundreds and thousands of websites, of, of YouTube videos where you can learn. That's how I learn. I've learned by phoning people and saying, how the hell does this happen? You know, what do you do with this? What, how do I make my index page live and stuff when I was first learning WordPress? Because I'm not building websites every single day like I used to, I've kind of forgotten what to do. Yes, I can install WordPress from scratch. Why would I want to know how to install WordPress from scratch? This isn't for a new user. This is for somebody that wants to learn how to be a developer. This is, this is, this is developer-centric because it tells you how to install WordPress on a server. You go to any host in the world now, any, the cheapest two bucks a month or whatever, install WordPress, click. It's that easy. <laughs> what? This isn't learning WordPress. This is learning how to install WordPress and manage, manage a WordPress instance. Learning WordPress is how to build a site, a little bit of design knowledge, a little bit of this, a little bit of making sure that it's fast, optimizing images. That's learning WordPress in my view. Yes, you can have some tech 
technicalities, which WB101 go into, but it's just too much. It's really kind of insular. Um, yeah, I it's love the fact they've done it. Yeah, yeah, I see where you come. John, I think uh, Andrew made a good point there, John. It, it does kind of seem a bit divorced from reality of 2020 in some ways. It's the most peculiar. What, what do you reckon, John? Okay, so, yeah, I'm just, I mean, this is the first that I had heard of uh, Learn WordPress. And, I mean, this really should have been something that they did a few years ago, at least. But, uh, yeah, but, um, you know, it's great that they're doing it now. I'm, I'm looking at some of these. I mean, they really need to, like, have a lot more content here. And, you know, make it easy for people to find because I think, you know, a lot of people will find this stuff either on YouTube or, um, you know, when I was first learning, like you had Zach Gordon teaching this at Treehouse. Um, or there's a myriad of different places, you know, WP 101, you know, so many other places that you could learn this. So I think that they're fighting that. Um, some of these things are, are interesting some of them it's like basic stuff mixed up with you know here's how to use track so um (laughs) it's 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 very odd it's it's very very odd it's most strange um just finish it off with spencer i kind of link it in a way to story one with this necessity of the great leader to make out we're all we're all in this together and Kumar and, you know, get the get the um, organic cereal out, let's share it out and blah, blah, blah. It's kind of, I kind of mix, I, I have no idea why they're spending any time or resources, resources on this, but it sounds, it sounds so negative from me to say that, though. What, what do you reckon, Spencer? Um. This reminds me, having grown up, uh, you know, I was born in the 60s, so growing up in the space race and uh, the, the Cold War, this reminds me of what, let's say, the Russians would do whenever they saw a Western country create some technology, right? Like the space shuttle, right? The Russians would make a, a cardboard copy of it. Or, you know, this went on since World War II. But the point is, somebody at some place in automatic said, oh, look, Sean Hesketh already has 2,000 videos for free that do everything perfectly, and we don't. Let's go rustle up some people that we're not going to pay to throw together some random shit and say that we've got, like, a tutorial thing. And it's like the Buran, which was the Russian space shuttle. It never actually flew. It just looked really good on May Day being dragged down the street and stuff. And that's the point. It's like, why didn't they instead... Just reach out to Sean, who I've known forever, and he says he's got it figured out perfectly. Just say, hey, Sean, can we license your stuff and slap it on over there? Because God forbid the VCs spend a little money to pay somebody what it's worth for the actual content they've created. And that's kind of the cynical approach I look at this under, is that there's already everything they need out there. Instead of just paying people to license it and bring it in and organize it and do like a modern car company might do where you, you, you know, Pinaferina does our leather seats, and we say Pinaferina. God forbid anybody takes credit for it other than uh, the fearless leader here. And I think that's a shame because we're all living in complete transparency of what's going on, and yet it's disbelieving to most of us. Like, you'd rather put up a cardboard facsimile of something, pretend it's valuable, and look like a schmuck than to just do something meaningful that all of us could actually appreciate and have somebody in charge of it who gives a shit. Like, who's got a financial incentive? And that's really where it comes down to. And this is true of their other plugins and other ideas as well with Jetpack and WooCommerce and so forth. I mean, it's just... Isn't that the WordPress way, though? It's all open sourced. Everybody contributes. So you've got to, you know, you've got to tip your hat to the, you know, he's, he's, he, Matt is always, always going to go the open source way, right? Because that's the path that he's on. You can't get over that and, and, you know, the 15,000 or 65,000 contributors to, to WordPress. Yeah, I, think it's, I think it's the path that, and I'm going to be totally cynical here and I might be totally wrong. I think it's the path that he publicly wants to broadcast. Um, I, but 
um, there's the other side that gets a 300 million investment from one of the most mercantile people, you know, businesses in North America, Salesforce. So it gets, there seems to be a duality there. And, um, why are few- they doing five? Why why are they doing five from the future then? If right. they're getting all this VC funding, how come that isn't getting kicked down to the right. people who volunteer all their time? And and the veneer That's is exploitation. Wearing, and the veneer is wearing thin because let's be honest, we talk about Google all the time, right? Nobody in 2020 believes that Google follows the do only good motto anymore. I mean, they've well, they just take it off. Okay, but I'm saying. Let's call it what it is. The veneer of this open source potluck dinner where everybody's just kumbaya and bringing stuff and having fun and hanging out at the picnic. That's over. It's been over for so many years. And so for him to continue to look into the camera and make people think that he's sincerely believing that while as soon as the camera's off, everything they do is the opposite, is wasting everybody's goodwill and wasting their time. Let's just call it what it is. You want to build a profitable company. Great. Start acting like a CEO, like a Larry Ellison. Nobody believes Larry Ellison gives a shit about anything except making money, but you got to respect how he operates the company because he's yeah, just... Yeah, I'm... Um, once again, I'm... I'm I don't know. I'm, 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 I've been honest here, listeners and viewers... It sometimes it seems that I'm, I'm just saying it, but once again I'm torn between Andrew and Spencer because I actually I actually think Matt actually I don't I actually think he believes this rubbish actually to some degree Spencer I don't think he is totally acting I I think there's part of him and. In some ways, I wouldn't want him to be like Allison and some of the other ball crunchers. Yeah, um, it's it's. Um, let's be frank about it. Even though it's irritating and in some way overemphasised, it's still great to be involved in something that is open source, whatever that means. And I, I think that's linked to. Did you like? How I moved to story four. I thought nice that was segue, quite good. Nice segue. Yeah, that wasn't a bad segue, was it? Let me pull it off, Spencer. I, I thought it was pretty good. Um, that, that's linked to story four, the death of open source business model. So what did you reckon of this one, Stephen? Did you manage to read this one? Or? Yeah, no, for sure. It's, oh, he's waking it, up. It's an interesting article uh, to kind of move back to what we were saying and then bring it back to this open source thing. What's interesting is um, when you have for-profit companies putting hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of time into open source things, which is happening right now with Automatic and the Gutenberg development. Like, sure, you can be cynical and say, you know, Matt's out to build his own empire and stuff. But the reality is, is he's putting hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. I don't know how many developers they have on staff working on it, but the, but the most amount of developers working on it are coming from Automatic itself, and they're just giving that away to people. There's not a lot of companies that do that. Um, and so I think it's, I think it's commendable. Um, he's growing his empire as well in the same time. And so I think, I think that's, I think it's cool, but um, the whole open source thing is interesting and is somewhat of a painful place because I think we have seen an increase and uprise of like open source everything's open source right and now we're trying we're starting to see that shift a little bit because everything cannot be open source not every project works as open source not every project can be supported as open well, source. I thought that I've, to, to comment on what you said i was thinking exactly the same thing Stephen, and that's one of the one of the things i think wordpress got right i'm not sure it's going to keep going that way but who knows but it had the open source bit, but then it had all these little, it had what Automatic was doing, plus you had all these other companies kind of building their little fiefdoms, their little patch of commercialization all around I think it. What we're seeing, that, that's what made it really interesting, didn't it? 
Yeah, but he's still I think what we're, yeah, what we're seeing in the open source market right now is the is the readjustment of what can actually be open source and not open source. I think too many things were built open source and people got a little open source crazy. And now the community at large cannot support as many open source projects as there are. Because as a developer, I could only support so many. So there became too many. And so we're seeing that kind of readjust and recalibrate. Open source isn't dead. It just needs to become a little bit smaller than it was now. That's my okay, like, overall I'm just going to say $27.5 billion was spent by Salesforce on a platform that was built on open source, right? So there's commercialization. Elegantmarketplace.com. We started it to make money. I'm never going to deny that. But we made money for vendors as well that people didn't, didn't know about. We, you know, we supported the vendor. We still do. You know, we want people to make money. The whole point of uh, we make money every Spencer makes money every single day out of WordPress. Jonathan, you do from whatever you do. Mr. Locke, always, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's WordPress or Drupal or whatever, you're going to make money out of open source, right? We are the luckiest people alive, but we have to make a living. We have to say, I don't like it. I don't like the fact that some people can come along and copy a plugin. Absolutely copy it. We've got a we've got a competitor who has copied plugins from Elegant Marketplace. Vendors worked hard to build those plugins. They've copied them. They've even put them on their own platform and they've called them the same thing. Right? Is that right or is that wrong? I think it's wrong. There's, there must be some kind of copyright protection for people that work really, really hard to build things that people make money out of. Now, Matt Mullenweg is making money out of WordPress. No well, doubt. I think it's very interesting you say that because um, I noticed, especially with um, Fry Themes, um, you know, because they're totally based outside the USA, their, the way that they've been protected in their plugins is totally against the GBL license. Not not much has been said about Fry Themes and um, Shane. Shane, I think he's a fantastic marketer and a, a fantastic um, always follow, you know, his videos and what he says. But if he was based in the USA, I, I, I think Matt, uh, would be on to him like a ton of bricks, but they managed to keep away. They managed to get away with it is because they're they're totally based out of outside the USA, and it's just not practical to go after him uh, um, because Fry Themes every day breaks the GPL license by by what they're doing with their manager, their plugin manager, and doesn't Elementor Pro do that? Doesn't Elementor you can't you can't have Elementor Pro without paying your money? Well, you can't have it. They, they broke the rule and they got away with it because. It's but it's, but it's, you you can't you know Elementor Pro is on what five million ten million websites now. You can't you can't use Elementor Pro the Pro things without the license. No, you it's, can't. So that's that's breaking the GPL rules, isn't it? Yeah, it I is. No but they, they get they get away with it because they're based in Israel, don't they? Fundamentally, they get away with it because they have a big enough audience that I think nobody's stupid enough and automatic to think that getting into a fist fight with them is going to win. You know, when they did that to Andrew Pearson back eight years ago, you know, Matt can shit on his head and he comes out looking like a hero. To get in a fist fight with Elementor means Elementor's cloud hosting just takes a copy of WordPress and calls it a day and the rest of us follow. And I think they're yeah. aware of that fact. And I'm happy to say that I would be one of the first people to go with them. And also, I, I don't think it would be, I don't think it would be that clear that if they tried to take it, they would probably have to take it to Israel, to the Israeli courts. And I don't, I don't know enough about that. I'm not even sure they would get anywhere. Uh, um, a license think, is open source. This article clarifies one point, which Andrew, you've you've already discussed. The 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 Linux operating system marketplace, which was you know ten years ago kind of conversation, they they made it clear what's happening here. It's just a lesson for us to see. When you have open source, 
and you figure out how to monetize it through the goodwill. Like Andrew pointed out, we all make our, our livelihood through WordPress and God bless Matt Mullenweg for creating it. And Mike, and Mike, and Mike, don't forget Mike, the co-founder, English co-founder. Don't forget him. Everybody, everybody and I, that annoys me to hell and back that he's forgotten, right? But, yeah. but the point is, even the guy who created the original software, right? the point is, every everybody who participated along the way, and Triple J and all the rest of the people we have on the show and so forth, they all participated in building this ecosystem. However, there comes a point, and that was demonstrated with the Linux environment, where a larger company, even Bitcoin is doing this to a certain extent, realizes the economic potential of that picnic and they start handing out cash to people to come over to a system that is locked down. So in other words, you have a moment in time where the open source license, you have a come to Jesus moment of, can we continue with this as it is or do we take our copy, follow the law, or at least what we believe is the law, and make a closed or more closed version of open source. And the way that they do that is what happened with Linux. It's you say, look, yeah, we got from zero to here because of this kumbaya, and now we're going to say, fine, kumbaya, you guys, good luck. It's still there. We're going to take our little copy, make it a little less kumbaya. It's kumbaya with a little cost of entry, and now you're going to have to pay to use it. And no, you can no longer copy Kumbaya and make whatever you want out of it. You got to license Kumbaya from us. And the reality is that's what needs to happen here. I mean, I love that everything is open source, but let's be also honest, how sucky is it that you can build elegant marketplace and some douchebag has every right to come along and copy everything and just stick his thumb in your eye? I mean, that's not good for business. That's not good yeah, for anybody. Not, I'm not worried about that from a monetization issue. I'm worried about that from a, from a moral issue. But there's no morals in if you're following the law and the law is kumbaya, you can't complain that people kumbaya. I get That's it. the problem. I get you it. Know, I you can only kumbaya it. by being better at customer service or more convenience or more features, but you're in an eternal race against some guy who sticks his hose into your gas tank and just siphons out all the gas constantly. And that's why these companies changed the, the Linux environment. And here we're in WordPress. And I, I just say this because I'm a broken record. Matt and Automatic are figuring out a way on their own to get away from Kumbaya with their platform, while the rest of us seemingly are surprised that we shouldn't do the same. But we should. And we will. Because there's no way you can Kumbaya in a marketplace that has 40% of the internet plus and think that somebody's not going to get hurt when they build up this amazing thing. And somebody goes, oh, let me throw $5 million and just take the whole idea and mosey on along with it. And now I get all your ideas and I get all your code and I can just start from here. And that's, be, let's be honest, that's what but WordPress, see, WooCommerce did originally. You see, the same thing. you see the same thing in like the patent world, right? Somebody has a cool patent, they have a product, they're a small company, and then a larger company comes around long, infringes on that patent and litigates it till they can't litigate anymore. And then... They, they essentially have it scot-free. Like, even if you set up rules and regulations, the larger person in this world has a way of coming out ahead and it's very hard to penalize them. Yeah, right. Let's go on to our... Um, I'm going to junk the other stories because we haven't got time. So let's go on to our panel recommendations of the week. And mine, I did a video recently, which you can see on the WP Tonic, where I looked at all the leading form building plugins um, and I came to the conclusion that the best value is Fluent Forms, um, WP Fluent Forms. Um, the free version is amazing and then you've got a paid version that even offers even more functionality and I just think it's, you know, obviously I, I keep my gravity forms because I've had that for donkey's years and I'm grandfathered in. But as a new product, um, if you're looking for the best value for bucks, you can't beat WP Fluent Forms. Hopefully they're going to send me the sponsorship check in the next couple of weeks. But no, I, I haven't been paid to say that. So, um, Stephen, have you got anything you want to recommend to the listeners and viewers? And please put all your recommendations into chat, please. It really helps me. Yep. Uh, I'm going to recommend uh, Elementor Extras. Um, I, on a daily basis, I'm in a lot of people's sites and a lot of people use Elementor and the amount of garbage add-on extras to Elementor out there is staggering. And 
most of them I hate and get frustrated by, but um, this last week I was using a site with extras and it's, I, I like what they're doing. They have, they have a good approach. They have some unique features and they're not just copying things from the pro. I love the dime. Pro, I love so. the dime extras. <laughs> it's, I love it. Uh, um, Spencer, uh, could you, you want to recommend to the listeners and viewers? Yeah, actually, I, I had two, but I'm going to go with the second one. So I put a link in for how cameras work, or it's content, what do they call it? It's called how cameras work, but uh, cameras and lenses. For anybody who loves Jonathan's new depth of field, or is looking at like when we talk about all the time, like this is a this is a webcam, so you see like there's no depth of field, no blur in the background. This website has these very simple drag and drop controls. So you can see, if you've never been into photography, what depth of field is or f-stop or aperture settings or how it works. So you can actually understand why the hell it looks so awesome that Jonathan's printer is blurry in the background and you know his face is clear. So fascinating and very simple. And if you have kids- If, I, if I, I could do the opposite. <laughs> But I mean, it's literally one of those things that if you, you know, I grew up in the area of doing black and white photography with old fashioned stuff. If you've never seen that before, it's like, what? But when you see this, you can actually understand why it, it makes a difference. And if you're going to set up your home studio now that you're never leaving your house, I mean, really an interesting way to learn what to do. So. Never leave this desk. I just live here. You know, I kind of, when, I, when I'm dozing off about two o'clock in the morning, I kind of stagger to the bed, but I just live here now. It's, it's a bit sad, really. But there we go. John, have you got anything, <laughs> got anything you want to recommend to the listeners of yours? Yeah, yeah. So this is this has been in my, I got a whole bookmarks list of like different stuff. I don't know if I've ever recommended this, but it's a site called fontofweb.com. And what you do, you put in, a uh, URL and it'll tell you what fonts are being used on that website. Wow. And, reason, and I'll tell you the reason why I find this interesting really quickly. Um, I have a theory with this web core vitals stuff that's rolling out. I have a theory because I've noticed that sites that seem to have a very low cumulative layout shift Try to explain what the hell he's talking about last he night. Relative layout shift. The, the uh, uh, he lost yeah, me yeah. completely. He anyway, me. yeah. If you understand like web core vitals, uh, page speed insights, one of the things they track is the how much the layout shifts, like when the fonts like load up. So what you want to do is like have fonts that um, that the fallback matches like the main font enough to where it doesn't shift the layout. It shifts it as little as possible. So you can kind of backwards engineer what fonts are on a particular site by using this tool. Yeah. And by the way, if you've got Divi, it doesn't fucking matter because it's so bloody. No, don't use Divi, please. It won't make a, it won't make a bloody difference I anyway. I'm living with Divi. Shut your face. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're downloading 10 megabyte anyway. Mate, I tell you, Divi, you're Divi, anyway. Let's go over to Stephen Divi, and get his optimization crew don't, don't out here. You're it. finished anyway. So, as, as you know it, it's great. Yeah, so, Andrew, you got, got anything you want to recommend? Yep. It's uh, GutenbergHub.com. Gutenberghub.com. If you want to know about Gutenberg, want to learn, it's a he's a four he's a a current Divi um, vendor on Elegant Marketplace. Munir Kamal. He's built this great thing called Gutenberg Hub. You can copy all of his layouts, all of his sections, all of everything, and then he's got a plugin called um, uh, Editor Plus. So you, you type, I've put links in there, but basically the Editor Plus, he's learned. From the page builder world, he's learned what people want, like sliders, graduated, graduated backgrounds, all that gradients and all that kind of fonts, everything. Can, can I make a suggestion brilliant. right here? Because, Andrew, amazing, amazing recommendation. This is a guy we talked about a couple of weeks ago, but what a great – can I just make a public announcement? Somebody at Word at Automatic – Go hire the guy right now and have this guy just create this inside of WordPress for Gutenberg. And we would, in one month, fast forward four years. Like, seriously. They got to they go, go via me. 
But whatever. But who cares? Go through you. You can be the, you know, the, the agent. The point is, if they would just do one or two people like this, or put you in charge of hiring. No, no, we won't have anything. No, you got to you got to say also. I got to say from a commercialization perspective. There's a guy guy called Jamie from Poodle Press. You you must have heard of Poodle, Poodle Press. Yeah, I interviewed Jamie. Yeah, uh, he came thing. on the show a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, he's all, Jamie. Jamie is awesome. I mean, he's polite and and affable and lovely bloke. Lives in the countryside. You can see why he's got such a cool nature. Talent, really talented photography. Does does volunteering at, at word camps and does the photography as well. Poodle press as well, you know. But what I like about Editor Plus and Gutenberg Hub is that it is open source. And I'm saying to Manir all the time. Every I speak with him every single day. I promise you, I can show you my messages. He, I say, you have to. We have to find a way to monetize this because you have put so much work. He's got a team of seven people working on this, right? So. It's amazing. It's just amazing what you can, and that's why I think Ed, Ed Gutenberg is so easy to use because I utilize things like Gutenberg Hub and, and, and the Editor Plus, and that's it. Those are right. my those are my recommendations. Right then, um, Stephen, what's the best way to find out more? Oh, and by the way, Stephen's been helping me with the WP Tonic website, even though I don't use Divi to try and make it quicker, and a couple other web properties. And he's been successful. I suggest that you go over to um, his website and utilize his, his website optimization services. So, Stephen, um, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Yeah, head over to zipfish.io, run a speed test, and see how much faster you can make a website. That's great. Spencer, how can people find yeah, oh. how can people find out more about you and what you're up to, Spencer? Uh, launchflows.com, or you can do a free call. Go over to wpfusion.com. And, and we will be continuing our series of webinars with Spencer in the new year. I think I think we've been doing a good job about trying to explain marketing optimization, haven't we, Spencer? Yeah, well, you yeah. have. And I think Andrew and I talked about this. We didn't have a chance to come back to it, but now Andrew's got my holiday juices flowing that we'll talk again. Uh, the, the stuff that I'm doing, marketing automation, launch flows works perfectly fine with Gutenberg, but I haven't bothered at all with anybody making templates and so forth. But now this is like a no-brainer. We'll hook up and I'll just give your guy the, the code and he can just pop in their little launch oh, we've got Yeah, we've got cool. Manir. We've got Manir. You know, Manir will help. He did, he actually helped WP Feedback with some layouts and everything on Gutenberg. Yeah, I mean, it's a no-brainer. This is so obvious. These things all, the rest of us can pick up for the, uh, you know, blah, 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 where Matt isn't bothering because, like, that's the only choice we have. Yeah. yeah so, John, what's the best way for people to find out more about you and what you're up to? You can go to my website, lockdownseo.com. You can also find me on YouTube. Just search John Locke SEO or Lockdown SEO. And, hey, I think I'm going to cross a 1,000 subscribers finally. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I've been uh, that's great. Been trying for like two uh, years. <laughs> yeah, you put a lot of work into it. Uh, um, Andrew, Andrew. Well, a thousand really, you know, um, the reality is if you get a thousand, but if they're really committed and watch a lot of what you're doing, that's better than having 10,000 people that don't really watch much what you do. So Yeah, true that. Yeah. Uh, um, so, Andrew, um, what's the best way to find out what you're up well, to? A little bit longer, and I'm going to use this. You can, you can cut it out, edit it or whatever. But wahi.io, W-A-A-H-I.io. Sign up to launch today. It's our online venue, um, SaaS, WAST version. It's launched today to sign up early, early sign up. And I'm also doing a webinar with Grid Payne in early January. And I really love Patrick Gallagher. I love his team. I love his attitude. And because well, I'm leaving Elegant Marketplace on the 30th of December, my year of up, my year is up. You know, I sold it in December 2019. It's been great working with uh, the guys at InMotion and Web Ventures, but time to um, move on and get on to other things. And Wahi is, uh, is where I'm at. But actually, you can, you can find out all about me at thisisandrewparmer.com. And uh, everything I'm doing will be on that website. I'll make being... sure it's in chat and I'll make sure, sure. There people can find you. And being your special guest, you can promote as much as you like. And oh, that's one you. of the 
that's one of the nice things being a guest on the panel show. Uh, um, right. Um, I just want to thank you, listeners and viewers, for um, making the WP Tonic show really popular. Our listening figures have gone up considerably during the year. Uh, um, I'd love to hear more from you to comment more and to participate more. That's what we're hoping for. Uh, I want to wish you and your families, and I want to wish the panel, the regular panel, a really happy Christmas and a new year, and hopefully you keep away from the virus and uh, you manage to survive until you can get vaccinated in the new year and the, the clouds will break, the sunshine will pull out, Spencer will be able to get away from his home desk and get less grumpy. He seems happier this week than he was last week. And the, the clouds will break over. Um, but to be real, I just want to wish you all a really fantastic holiday period and we'll be back in the new year. We've got some JJ who's going to be joining us on a semi-regular basis. Um, the man from WordPress Weekly, uh, um, he's going to be joining the panel on a regular basis. And um, we've got some fantastic guest panellists, fantastic guests. And with Stephen's help, I think the show will go stronger and stronger. We'll see you in the new year. Bye. Cheers, mate. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week. 